Football, football, football is upon us We had the opening game of the NFL season Last night And it was a dud huh? <laughs> Glad to have football back But what an awful game to kick things off Thank you for joining us here on That's What G Said Podcast Appreciate you downloading, streaming, tuning in from whatever device, wherever you're listening to If you can, real quick, stop just one second If you can go subscribe over on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Spreaker If you have accounts for any of those sites, just click subscribe and then anytime we have a That's What G Said podcast It'll immediately get sent to you As soon as I'm done uploading it So that way you'll always have all of them delivered to you And it helps me out too It builds up my subscriber numbers And uh, puts a few extra bucks in my pocket So if you can, head on over Subscribe at any of those places And uh, if you can leave a nice 5 star rating and review On iTunes, that would be amazing We started to talk a little Packers Bears Last night, opening game of the NFL season 10-3, Packers get the win It was a miserable game I'm going to read through some stats here From Pro Football Focus And then we'll kind of uh, dissect everything and, and give some commentary on them Trubisky Last night Just a 35.3% Adjusted completion percentage On targets of 10 plus yards He had a 30 Passer rating and 6.6 Yards per attempt while throwing 53% Uncatchable passes He had two Big time throws But he had two turnover worthy plays And This is his third year now He just Plain and simple was not good last night He finished with a 23.7 passer rating on Third and fourth downs And two really big Turnover worthy plays On those big downs In the fourth quarter alone Over 50% of his passes were Marked as uncatchable But he's good in in a clean pocket So they have to do a much better job Of just giving him a little bit of time Because actually The way that he was graded out last night He's better In a clean pocket Than Rodgers was But as soon as things start to Go a little off script As soon as there's a little adversity That's when Trubisky gets into some trouble He can't get outside the, the game plan He can't get outside what's supposed to happen Any type of change And that's where he starts to struggle 10 dropbacks where he moved Off spot He was sacked 3 times And had a turnover worthy play Trubisky had a Bad Bad night And Rodgers didn't have a great night either, right? These are two really good defenses In particular, what we saw from Green Bay Secondary last night Now, new safety Adrian Amos They drafted Darnell Savage Jr. Both of them looked really, really good All of their new acquisitions from the offseason on the defensive end looked great Amos was the Highest graded defensive player On Green Bay last night Savage Very good for a debut Really good secondary We saw a couple strange things on Chicago's end As far as the scheme Tariq Cohen Is basically a wide receiver He ran more Routes in a single game lined up At the wide receiver Than any Running back ever has Prior to last night the most routes Cohen ever ran In a single game at wide receiver was 10 
He was lined up at wide receiver on 61.5% of the time. No running back was really targeted a whole lot there. And so this backfield, we don't know what to do with. They did have one wide receiver look good on the Bears, an actual wide receiver, and that was Allen Robinson, who seemed like the go-to. Seems like he's having a bounce back night, a bounce back year. And, and when you dive into his numbers from last year, he was actually pretty good. He deceivingly had a, a really strong year. He just doesn't have a quarterback that's very accurate and that's very consistent. And then Matt LaFleur coaching. I mean, he's really going to try to establish the run. I thought they'd be able to run the ball a little bit better. They uh, Aaron Jones had 13 carries for 39 yards. Jamal Williams had 5 carries for no yards. And they kept running the ball even without the success. They only averaged 2.1 yards per carry. And what was really frustrating is at the end of the night, there was, I mean, there was bad play calling all throughout the game on both sides, but LaFleur, at the end of the night, the Packers get the ball back. It's 10 to 3. They're just trying to run the clock out. And they call a pass. Instead of run, 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 force the Bears to use their timeouts, or if you're going to actually go for it and try to win the game and, and pass it a couple times, but they ran the ball, passed the ball, ran the ball. I did not like what they were doing. They gave the Bears an opportunity late that the Bears could not capitalize on. This was really a tale of like two or three games, though. In the first quarter of this game, it didn't look like Green Bay was going to be able to move the ball at all. First drive, three plays, 10 yards, punt. Next drive for Green Bay, three plays, minus seven yards and a punt. Next drive, three plays, five yards and a punt. Then they get the ball, and finally Rodgers makes something happen with the big play down the field. And they had one drive where they went four plays and 74 yards in just a minute 35, and they got on the board. And it was before that, the Bears were up 3 nothing in the first quarter. They were moving the ball better than the Packers, but the Bears weren't necessarily moving the ball great. And... It felt like the Bears were up like 21 to nothing. It felt like they were just destroying the Packers. And it was just a 3 nothing game. And then it flipped. As soon as the Packers score a touchdown and now it's 7-3, to then we see the Bears punt, 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 turnover on downs, punt, interception, turnover on downs. That's their remaining drives the rest of the game. But as soon as Green Bay scored that touchdown, it felt like the the momentum shifted big time because neither one of these teams were moving the ball. And Green Bay's defense was playing very well throughout. At halftime, it was 7-3. Green Bay. Start. The second half. Bears get the ball, three plays, two yards, punt. Green Bay gets the ball, four plays, 19 yards, punt. Bears get the ball, three plays, nine yards, punt. Green Bay gets the ball, three plays, negative ten yards in a punt. The Bears get the ball. They run a drive, six plays, 47 yards. They turn it over on downs. At one point, the Bears had a first down and 40. This was not a very pretty game. But we will say that both of these teams' defenses are good, and they're going to be good. And I think people were not quite ready for how good Green Bay's defense is with some of their new acquisitions. And remember, folks, it's week one. Teams overall, Green Bay only had 213 total yards. The Bears only had 250 total yards. 
on first down uh, on third downs. Third down efficiency. Green Bay was two for twelve. The Bears were three for fifteen. These are good defenses. Both teams got sacked five times. But the offenses will improve In three or four weeks these offenses are going to be better I think by next week they're both going to look a little better The only problem with the Bears is they have to go And play the Denver Vic Fangio Defense which is going to be a very good one This was a massive game for Green Bay To steal early on in the season Because these two teams will likely be battling it out For their division I was slightly over on the Green Bay Over and slightly under on the Bears Under for the season so that was a good start As far as those are concerned And now the Bears have to be careful They cannot go and lose this game to the Broncos next week You don't want to start 0-2 Like what I saw from Allen Robinson And if you have From like a fantasy perspective I'd be a little worried about the Bears Running backs Montgomery Montgomery ran the ball really well But I just don't know what the distribution is going to be like With Davis, with Cohen, with Montgomery there And As far as the Packers are concerned Offensively It looks like they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more But if you have any of these Fantasy players, give them a couple weeks Before you you freak out too much And don't completely overreact When you're betting on games Or with these two teams In their games in the next couple weeks Try to give yourself at least a couple games Of a sample size before you completely React one way or the other I don't think either of these two teams are going to be bad teams I think they have very good defenses They started out They played the opening game of the season They were obviously rusty None of their first team players played in the preseason games And the Packers get the first win Of the NFL season Big weekend coming up in college football Week 2, I guess 2.5 if you count that Week 0 And there, you know, besides that Oregon-Auburn game in week 1 There weren't a lot of big games between Two top teams or two good teams That could uh, have make a big run this year And that's not going to be the case This week I have Three games that I'm going to play From a wagering standpoint in college But overall When you're just looking at the slate You have Number 23 Stanford playing USC Even though both of those teams are going to be Without their starting quarterbacks You have a a game that a lot of people have been talking about I've heard a lot of people high on the Cincinnati team this year And they're going to play at Ohio State Which is a game that's a little intriguing to me You continue on through Clemson, Texas A&M Texas A&M playing at Clemson This is a big game Number 12 at number 1 A lot of buzz about Texas A&M Keeping this game close Nebraska going to play at Colorado That's going to be one of the games I talk about In just a a moment And then uh, perhaps the big one LSU at Texas LSU At Texas Number 6 LSU And number 9 Texas Now believe it or not Texas At home Is a 7 point underdog And that's going to be one of my plays this week I'm going to play Texas at home But I'm only going to play them if you can get that Plus the 7 That's That's a big Big, big, big half a point In the line So if it's 6.5, if you're seeing it 6 somewhere I don't like it as much But I do think that Texas can keep this game At least within a touchdown LSU is very, very good though I I really have no knocks on them It's just the 7 points at home For a a top team 
like Texas. So I'm going to take those points. That is going to be one of my three plays this weekend. Only though, if you can get the seven, the, the seven, don't don't play that at six, six and a half. I think that's a big, big difference. LSU, Texas. Let's take Texas at home plus the seven. Game number two. It's going to be Colorado and Nebraska. And week one, Nebraska had an ugly offense. They scored two defensive touchdowns and a touchdown on special teams. They got to go on the road now and play a Colorado team who I just think they're an average team, but they they played a little bit better in week one, uh, especially late. They seem to, to start to figure things out against Colorado State. So I'm going to play Colorado at home plus the four. Again, another line that's key. You have to try to get the Get the four. It's got to be over three. I wouldn't take that at three. If you got three and a half or four, that would be fine. Uh, same. That's just like that Texas line. You got to get the seven, six and a half, six. I don't like it as much as Texas plus the seven. And then the third and final game, North Carolina at home plus the five against Miami. North Carolina won straight up as a larger underdog last week against South Carolina. Miami did not look good at all In that game we saw against Florida About a week and a half ago They gave up 10 sacks versus Florida 14 penalties for 118 yards And only 2.4 yards per carry On 36 rushing attempts Sure, I can give them an excuse For playing the first game and looking sloppy So I can give them an excuse for Maybe one of those three factors Maybe the penalties we give them an excuse for Maybe the sacks But they couldn't run the ball They couldn't block which go hand in hand And then the penalties on top of that To me, I think North Carolina Very live here Plus the 5 at home So the 3 plays, North Carolina Plus 5 at home against Miami Texas, plus 7 at home against LSU Only if you can get it at 7 somewhere though Colorado, plus the 4 At home Versus Nebraska If you'll notice, I've got 3 home dogs And that's something that I, I try to look a lot for Home teams that are getting some points that I think have the opportunity to win straight up And I think any of these three games Texas could beat LSU Colorado could beat Nebraska North Carolina could beat Miami And it, you have to kind of give yourself an opportunity To think that they could uh, at least keep it close at home When, uh, when we're going to have lines that are here within, uh, within a touchdown So the three college plays for me Best of luck Stanford, USC Let's get a little pre- preview on this one USC is now up to a three-point favorite, two-and-a-half to three-point favorite. They're at home against Stanford. Stanford's ranked number 25, but there will be no JT Daniels for USC. True freshman Keaton Slovis will be starting, and no senior quarterback KJ Costello for Stanford. Redshirt sophomore David Mills will be starting. Stanford's also missing a very key part of their line in the left tackle. And when I look at this game, I'm not very confident uh, in in USC overall this season. But in this particular game, I would not bet it at all. I think they're going to win, though. Stanford, without their quarterback, and when you look at their skill players, they don't have a, a typical stud skill player like they've had the last few years. They don't have a Bryce Love, McCaffrey, or a J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think when you compare the skill players From what USC has 
They just have to do a good job Of not asking too much Of Slovis As long as he can Make quick reads Hand the ball off to Malapai To Carr And then to get the ball into Vaughn's, Amon Ross St. Brown Michael Pittman Jr.'s hands Into Carr's hands Those five skill position players Are the key to USC this year Those five players Are as good as skill position players On any team They have the talent But the problem is Can they improve Can they be put in the place to succeed By the coaching staff Will USC have the quarterback play And the line play To show how good these skill players are Because the, the, the issue with USC Even right now Even with the team that's projected to win 7 games this year It's not talent USC has some of the best recruiting classes In the nation and some of the best talent in the nation They are comparable with Any team out there Maybe you'd say Alabama and Clemson Have a, a little more Other than that SC from a talent perspective match them up with anyone It's coaching Can they put their players In a spot to succeed Can they improve We'll see if the staff can do that for USC This weekend with Stanford coming up I mean on paper you have to think this is going to be A low scoring game Folks I'm really excited To be working with A new DFS app for prop bets It's called Thrive Fantasy So if you're someone who loves Fantasy football You like football in general You like to gamble And you you look at prop bets sometimes uh, If that sounds like you at all Then go right now Download the Thrive Fantasy app Or go to thrivefantasy.com What they've done is They've streamlined the draft process And they've eliminated the need to do Unnecessary hours of research by using only Top tier athletes Instead of the traditional salary cap format You build your lineup around a list Of prop bets So you're going through, there's a prop bet Where you have to select one side or the other Of the prop bet And you you select 10 for your Entry For each contest you need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets that are included And then you pick 2 ICE picks in case of emergency So you have two alternates in case something happens Game is cancelled, something like that Each prop Has an over And an under point value assigned to it And you're going to be rewarded The point value if the prop is correct For example Tom Brady will throw for over or under 250 yards The less likely the prop is to occur The more points the choice will be worth So You have to be a little contrarian You'll get more points for going against the grain For going against what everyone else thinks It's just like any way you build your DFS lineups You want to go with some that you feel are surefire And then you want to go some that you're kind of taking a little bit more of a shot They have head-to-head contests All sorts of different competitions Make sure to get to thrivefantasy.com Or download the Thrive Fantasy app But the key to all of this is When you do Use the promo code G-I-N-O Gino If you download and you use the promo code When you deposit 10 bucks You'll get an extra 10 bucks So if you deposit anything over 10 bucks You're going to get a free $10 credit To play with Use the promo code G-I-N-O My name, Gino Plug that in right away when you sign up for an account And you will get An extra 10 bucks back After deposit 10 So deposit 10 You'll get another 10 You'll have 20 to mess around and check things out Put 100 in You'll get an extra 10 on it 
Anything you deposit, you'll get an extra $10 back when you use the promo code G-I-N-O Coming up next We had an interview with Monique From Covers Monique the Parlay Queen Monique Vaj You follow her on Twitter At Parlay Queen And Monique is a really, really good sports better. She covers everything Had her on the Mike Abadir show the last couple years She works for Bet America Does some content for them For a new sports gambling podcast At Gambling Podcast And then for covers And Monique and I went through all of the games for week one All the point spreads Talked about the games that she likes I have four plays for NFL week one I'll go over those plays again after the interview So hope you enjoy the discussion with Monique On everything for NFL week one We hit on each and every one of the games We give you the lines, some that we like, some that we don't But you definitely want to tune in and sit back Get the popcorn ready for this interview with Monique Very excited about our next guest I actually can't believe it's been this long Before the Parlay Queen has joined us on That's What G Said But I think subconsciously I knew that I was going to be asking her for a lot of help And to to show up a lot come football season So I think Monique uh, Maybe I wanted to give you a little bit of rest Before football season started Because I know with college, with pros I was going to be asking to talk with you quite a bit We follow you on Twitter At Parlay Queen You do lots of work for a bunch of different places Cover, ABR Live And you said you just started working for a new place now Monique, what's going on? Not much. Excited to be here, and uh, I did like a little bit of a break away from you. With that, <laughs> but yeah, excited to be back. And obviously, football time is the best time of the year, so you got me at a great time. And you, you had just uh, off the air. We had just talked about a new sports gambling podcast that you're working for. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, they're they're awesome. They put out a lot of content, pretty much on every sport in general. I do college football, NFL, horse racing for them, and uh, SGP is what they're known for. They do podcasts as well as written content, and the main emphasis is on gambling. So, right up my wheelhouse. Awesome. And for those of you who don't know Monique, Monique, is there any sport that you won't gamble on? No, probably not. I mean, <laughs> I I mean like situationally, I'm not betting sure. pre-seasons of anything. Sure. Although people yeah. will try to convince you that there's a lot of value in there. Yes, but there's a lot of uncertainty as well. So, I mean, if it's relevant, if it's a time of year, if it's the postseason, if it's something that I, I mean, I have to have some type of general understanding of the sport or yeah. have some some good research done. We'll yeah, put we're not way. talking. You're going to bet some scratchers here, but we're talking about if there's a sport on, you're going to do the research. You're going to uh, find out if there's any value there, and then if there's some value somewhere, you'll play it. If not, it's maybe kind of watch and and maybe some in game because that's something that you've really uh, picked up over the last couple of years, and that's becoming a huge part of gambling now is the in game wagering. It's amazing because. Okay, before a game, obviously, there's so much time to adjust, whether it's a like a last second change or anything. And especially for NFL, the lines have been out for so long that the movement isn't really coming in as of late without barring some type of monumental change. But the lines have been out for so long that if you caught a good line, you likely caught it early. But in game, the odds makers, whatever it is, an algorithm, a person, I'm not entirely sure what's doing the in games. But it doesn't necessarily have as much time to adjust no. to some something that could happen in the game or flow or situational 
thing. So for me, in-game betting, especially for something like football, has always been something that I've just been so attracted to. Well, and I mean, think of all of the years of research and sample size people have when they're just formulating regular lines for regular games. There's not a lot when it comes to in-game wagering. So as you mentioned, the whoever's setting those lines or the lines, a lot of time they're not as sharp as like a normal line would be for a Sunday football game with all of the sample size and the years and years and years and years and years of information that they have. It's different. So one thing I've noticed with you and why I've followed you and 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 I'm always uh, keeping an eye on who you're playing is it seems like you do a good job of of realizing where there might be something that's a little bit off. Like, oh, that line just seems a little off. Or, and sometimes we don't even quite know why. It's just kind of like, a, I've looked at these lines so many times. This, this one feels a little off, you know, and, and that's where you play. So for those of you who don't follow Monique, um, especially this time of year, at Parlay Queen on Twitter, awesome follow. Well, and and that's what I like is you post a lot all your a lot of your plays too. Like everybody knows it's going to be a good day someday, it's going to be a bad day someday, but you're not going to be redboarding afterwards. Like everyone knows before the games where you stand. That's true, and it's tough because I do like to do a lot of in-game betting. It's hard to keep up with that because by the time you post and someone sees it, you know, mm-hmm. if you're betting in game and you love it, more often than not, you love it, and then the line's going to change drastically yep. too. Just, but for me, I'm I'm watching all the games, and whether or not I have a pre-game wager or something, I'm always watching it. So I really, I'm a huge person that I love to handicap with flow and I like to take into account all these psychological factors as well and you know you could have a team that starts out well and then you know gets the offense moving and then an unfortunate tipped interception happens and that's not saying their offense isn't playing well there's just sometimes circumstance happens or some type of unfortunate situation occurs so handicapping in game obviously if you're watching the game you just have I'd say a huge edge so it's definitely something I'm looking forward to this year. Okay, well, let's jump right on into week one with the uh, the football slate. We'll go through each of the matchups. Some we'll probably spend a little more time on than others. Some we'll just kind of breeze through, but maybe we'll mention one or two things about even some of the games that we uh, we aren't quite playing. But the first game is a team that I root for. It's the Rams. They're playing at Carolina, and this line now is down a lot of places to Carolina plus one and a half, plus two. So the Rams are... One and a half, two point favorites. They're going on the road. Um, any thoughts in this matchup, Monique? I, it was weird. The line's even weird for me right now. Is initially I was like, okay, Rams should be able to take care of business. Obviously, yeah. I'd love for them to be at home, but I think a lot of this was we didn't really know Cam Newton and his certainty mm-hmm. how he really is. I think I think it's suspicious. I think the line's very strange. I'm not entirely sure why it is so low. Did you look into this one in particular? Yeah, this is this is a weird one too and I would almost always play the home dog like this in the situation. I just don't I'm not as you mentioned Cam Newton I'm very concerned with him. And if this game was in the middle of the season and the Rams were having to travel and go play in an early game after, you know, playing at home for a few weeks, I would probably lean more towards Carolina. But this is going to be one of my three or four plays of the week. I I think the Rams are just better. And I think if you can get this thing at anything under, uh, you know, the Rams minus three, I think that's great. Like if you can get the one and a half or two, that is great to look all over. I'm I'm a little cold on Carolina this year just because of of Cam. I'm I'm a little worried with it's the shoulder and then it was a knee and there were multiple issues throughout camp. He hasn't really been able to 
to show how healthy he is. Now you can say the same thing with with Gurley and with the Rams. And I'm actually a little cold on the Rams overall, like on their season total. I don't think they're going to win, you know, twelve or thirteen games. I think they'll get in the playoffs, and it'll maybe be like ten or eleven when they sneak in. But I do like them in this spot, so this will be one of my first plays. It, this is a one of those weird lines, though. I, I completely agree with you. Like you look at it at first glance, and you think it should be at least Rams minus three, three and a half. You know, at, at the very least. And For sure. uh, the betters are really liking Carolina, but I'm going to go the other way. Let's go with the Rams. Um, we'll say minus two right now is what it's at a, at a lot of places. So as long as you can get it and it's under three, I'm fine on that one. Um, even the game. total of that one is strange to 50. It's one of the highest totals of the week, which is even even more weird to me because Carolina's offense, just they're just inconsistent. And then the Rams can shut someone down easily defensively. So the total is extremely high, a lot higher than I would think. I think it may be like 44 and a half. So seeing it so high, just, I don't know, for me, I'm skipping that game. But if I were to take someone, I agree with you on Rams. Game two will be uh, Washington Philly. Philly's actually up to to minus ten now, and Washington they're projected to be one of the worst teams in the league. They're just one of these teams that they just you just don't know what they're really doing this year if they're even trying to win or maybe they're they're trying to to tank for for the future. Who knows? Washington Philly. I don't really have a strong. Feel for this game other than the fact that I made Philly a survivor pick in one of my Survivor plays I was pretty pretty basic And pretty simple there with the, with this one it was Either going to be Philly or Seattle for me and I went to uh, I went to Philly any thoughts in this game Yeah you're right they're A good survivor pick I'd say as well And I actually have Seattle in mine so <laughs> <we're> <laughs> the same mindset, Which is a good sign go. especially week one A yeah. big spread but you never really know with these divisional games, but I feel like they should be able to take care of business. I know 10 is is high, and we hate laying double-digit spreads because you don't really know week one. There's so much uncertainty, especially off the division game, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. But Eagles at home, I think they should be able to cover. Probably, like, say, maybe 34-12. Yeah. I, I And I think, the, I think the Eagles are going to be one of the best teams in football this year. They're not going to be a team, like, that you – they have so they're so deep that like fantasy wise, if you're playing fantasy, it's going to be tough to project which player each week is going to go off. That's but true. just overall, their defense is really good. Their offensive line is really good. Their like their receiving core is really deep. Their their backfield now they have a lot of different pl- uh, players they can hand the ball to. So um, I expect them to have a really big year. And and the division we mentioned it's Philly, Dallas, and then you have Washington and the Giants who should both be pretty bad. Um, the next game, Buffalo and the Jets. So it seems like every year, people are waiting for both of these teams to to take the next step forward and to, to to improve. I actually think that both of them are heading in the right direction. They're both moving forward. They both have young quarterbacks. They both have pretty good defenses and and some pieces around. The key to this game for me is is the line and what you get it at. If I can, I've seen it a lot of places now where it's just the Jets minus two and a half. And I just feel like this should be just a straight three. Like I look at the Jets and Buffalo, and I feel like these two teams are pretty well matched. I'd take the Jets at home minus the three. So if you can get the three for the Jets, I'm going to take the Jets at home minus the three. Any thoughts on this game, Monique? I I mean, I don't know. The two and a half I don't love. I feel like for me in a game like this, I would just take the points just because I think it is a pick I couldn't really give an edge. I think you got to give, I guess, the Jets a little bit of an edge just because they are at home but I do think Josh Allen's been fine I think he could Mm -hmm. progress nicely this year I agree I think the Bills defense is 
definitely underrated. They could get some key stops if they need to. Um, And I think their team, I have more upside on than the Jets, but obviously going away starting week one on the road isn't isn't promising at all but we did see Sam Darnold who was he had a stretch last year where he was solid so I think him starting at home is also a positive but I mean I guess I'm taking the points if I need to and hoping for a three and just hope it comes down to a field goal or overtime or something like that but I can't really find an edge in this one yeah Buffalo Jets one of these teams will uh We'll get off to a 1-0 start and we'll start to hear that they may have a chance in, in the division against <laughs> the Patriots. Here. We'll hear for a week or so that they may have a <laughs> shot. Yeah. Um, this next game with the Atlanta and Minnesota, this is this is a fun game because these two teams, at least at first glance, look like they might be teams that are going to be on the fence battling for a playoff spot for maybe a wild card spot towards the end of the year. And this could be a very big game in determining um, Tiebreakers and things like that Minnesota is a four point favorite They're at home against Atlanta Both of these teams disappointed A little bit last year people had really high expectations For Minnesota and they had They threw in a couple real clunkers Last year Atlanta had a ton of injuries And they were just bad overall uh, Do you like any side in this game Way too tough to call. And it's weird for me because when I was reading notes on this game, um, Action Network said that 60% of the bets are coming in on the Falcons, which is really surprising to me. Just that's a huge number for a team like the Falcons when they are dogs. So people loving the Falcons is not that promising. I mean, the Vikings at home, obviously, they've been so dominant. Their defense is just, their defense can win them any game. I'm concerned offensively how many points they're going to put up. That's one thing, because we know the Falcons are going to put up points, but we also know that Xavier Rhodes has been able to really, really shut down Julio Jones over the past couple of matchups they've had. So it's, it's an interesting matchup for me. I think I lean towards the Vikings to win, but if anything, I'd say bet them on the money line because I do not love laying four points with them. We'll have to keep track of uh, any games this year where we're like straight head up against each other and we'll have to have some kind of a fun wager or, or do something uh, afterwards. This will be one game where I'm going against you. I'm going to go with Atlanta. I, I think it, mm, I think Atlanta is one of my sneaky teams to, <clears throat> to get in the playoffs this year. And basically, I feel like I'm almost getting an, a three point. I think that this should probably be three Three and a half for Minnesota I feel like Minnesota is slightly the better team than Atlanta At least on paper But I I do think Atlanta can score And with Freeman back If he's healthy I'm going to give Atlanta an opportunity here To keep this game close I'm not sure if I would play Atlanta As far as winning the game straight up But I do think they can cover this game and And I could see Minnesota winning by a field goal here So if you can get the plus the four with Atlanta I'll take them And I'll make them one of my four Gonna have four plays today. I think we've gone through two of them. So the first one, What's your score prediction. I think let's say like twenty-seven twenty. Mm, okay. Yeah, I I just I I need to see a little bit more from Kirk Cousins. I think he might be a big stats, bad team player, and someone who can kind of. Um, uh, pick up the yards, pick up the garbage, but not, not necessarily make the big plays yet. And this is going to be a big game for Week One for both of these teams. Like these teams don't want to get started zero and one with with one of these winnable games for both of them. So uh, especially if you're Minnesota and you took a look at the way that division was. I mean, we'll go on a little bit of a tangent right now before we get to the Baltimore Miami game. But 
Talk about an ugly football game to open up the season last night, huh, Monique? If you, if you like Green Bay, it wasn't ugly because you got the win. But as far as just the fans of football in general, that was a, a defensive showcase, and the offenses did not look to be in swing at all. It was painful. I Just really disappointing because last year I just complained about how bad scheduling was and how mm-hmm. so many of the games just weren't competitive and not really worth watching. And again, we start the season off with this, which I I had my I had my doubts. I thought it could have been one a game like that, to be honest. I everyone was thinking, oh, it's gonna be this super exciting game. You know, the Bears are gonna come out and dominate Aaron Rodgers. He's gonna put up so many points. And I was just thinking, I was like, we could have one of these in store. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the half, I was kind of optimistic that maybe adjustments would be made. And I thought so, made. too. Yeah, I felt but, like there might be oh. a few. But just, I think, you know, a lot of people were saying it. It's just nobody's playing in the preseason anymore because they don't want to get hurt. And and then so you're just, like, I saw a couple tweets that said that, like, Aaron Rodgers' first quarter was this preseason. And he was he, he was kind of lucky. Like, both teams were lucky that the other team wasn't, wasn't rolling a little bit better (laughs) Because you know I'm watching the game And at the end of the first quarter It feels like the Packers are down by 20 And it's 3-0 And then it goes the other way And then the Packers get up 7-3 And it feels like the Packers are up by 20 (laughs) And it's not It's just like neither team really felt like They could could get a stranglehold on the other And um, I just think there are so many people After that game were like Oh these two teams are terrible They're not going to we all we see this every year, Monique, when everybody reacts, really reacts from what happens in week one. And I think in particular from like quarter one and game one, we got to remember that was the first quarter of the season. I think these teams that we saw last night are going to look a lot different come week four or five. I agree with you. It's just I want those three hours of my life back <laughs> desperately. Too. I really do. I can't. <laughs> I can't afford to have my football season you're, ruined in week one. You're right. We'll never get. We'll never get those hours back. Um, we move on. Uh, still one of the last few morning games on Sunday. This one's going to be Baltimore at Miami. Miami uh, traded away. Um, a couple of their best players recently I believe they had the lowest Ranked offensive line and then they traded Away their best offensive lineman <laughs> And so now you can only imagine how low Their offensive line is ranked overall They just look like they're getting ready For the tank this year They are a 7.6.5 To 7 point underdog at home Baltimore is a 7 point favorite 6.5 point favorite on the road Any thoughts in this game? You gotta like the Ravens here. I think the spread is even, even kind of low. I think the spread is fair. I'd say. I think it's just because it's week one. If these teams met in week four or five, I think you'd see easily double digits, maybe even twelve and a half for the Ravens. I think. I don't think they're gonna put up a lot of points. I just don't. I feel like they're just gonna. It's gonna be one of those games where they win comfortably, maybe by like ten points, but they're in cruise control the whole game. I don't see a super high scoring game, and I don't. I mean, I don't know how many points the Dolphins are going to put up. So I think I might even lean towards the under in the game, but the under's so low at 40. So, I mean, yeah, the Ravens put up, let's say, 27 points. How many are the Dolphins putting up? 10? Yeah. I, I, as I, was, gonna say, I, I was thinking like 21-10. That's, yeah. It, I, I see something like that. I just don't. If, if Miami can score three times on Baltimore, I'd be very surprised. Same. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'd lean, I'd lean Baltimore. This one, especially if you can get it at the at the six and a half below that that seven, but below that touchdown mark. Um, this next game, this has been a, a real kind of hot buzz game for a while to talk about. Kansas City, one of the best teams in the league, 
last year, and they look like they're going to be one of the best teams in the league again this year. They go play on the road at Jacksonville. This game is Kansas City minus three and a half most places. And Monique, this is actually one of my better plays, one of my sneaky plays. I really like the Jags. I'm high on them this year. I like the Jags to win their division. I think their defense is going to bounce back and be that number one defense like it was two years ago. I don't think Nick Foles has to be you know, a Super Bowl MVP. I think he just has to be an average quarterback because they were so bad and they got such below average quarterback play from Blake Bortles for so long. Their offensive line was banged up last year. Fournette had a horrible year. I just think if all those things that went wrong last year, they don't have to go completely right, but they just turn sort of back towards the positive. And I think this Jags team... Can win nine or ten games and make the playoffs And I like them at the plus three and a half here Make sure you get that extra hook though That plus three and a half is huge Because they could they could still lose a close game to Kansas City Battle throughout But Kansas City and Mahomes This was his worst game of the year This is the worst game of his career When he played against the Jacksonville D last year They still won But he didn't look like that same Mahomes So this is one of my strong plays I'm going to go with the Jags that's that's interesting. I didn't know that he struggled against them last year. That's it's that game for me in general. At looking at it and seeing, I'm seeing only three, so three and a half is a great number. It's crazy. It honestly, it's very low, even considering all the changes the yes. Jags have made. I still think the number is low. Um, I feel like I would have to take Jacksonville just because I the would number. Have- it makes Enough, you, yeah. it, when you see the low number like that, especially with the team at home, you're like, it's like the Rams game almost. And that's that's why most people would take Carolina when you're looking at it going, this is just too weird. It seems like it's too easy, right? And um, and so, yeah, I think if the three, like I would never want the Jags plus the two and a half, three I'd be okay with. If you can get the three and a half, I, I'm seeing still at some places, then take that, look, search all over for that. And I think these are both going to be playoff teams. I think these will be two good teams in the AFC. And now, like, after the Andrew Luck uh, retirement, that division now with Indianapolis, with Brissett, you have Houston, who made some moves, but they have a really, really tough schedule. Like, they probably have the best team, but their schedule is really tough. You have the Jags, who made some moves, and then Tennessee, who, does anybody ever know what they're going to get out of Tennessee? (laughs) I mean, they're, like, the hardest team to predict. I don't... Like they're always going to be around like eight and eight, you think. But if they were a four-win team, or if they won ten win, if they won ten or eleven games, I would, I wouldn't really be surprised. I just never know how to gauge them. So that division is going to be, uh, I don't know about fun to watch their games, but it's going to be fun to follow that division throughout the year. Um, let's see, Tennessee, Cleveland. What are your thoughts on the hot Cleveland Browns? They're they're a buzz team this year. A lot of people like the Browns. I like them as well. I Me think too. they're going to win their Me division. Too. I'm really high on them. And a lot of people are thinking that they want to see one or two games just to see what they're made of. And honestly, I don't think they could ask for an easier game to start their season off versus the Titans. T- Tennessee, they just, they've been struggling. Offensively, their quarterback position is just, it's it's up in shreds. I honestly think the Browns are going to just take care of business. I don't mind the five and a half. I think the longer we wait, we could hit maybe six, six and a half. But I, I think the Browns take care of business at home. I think this is another one that you mentioned too. People want to wait for a week or two to see what the Browns are going to do. The problem is, if the Browns play really well here, you'd never get a, a line like this. They'd be maybe minus seven or eight later on in the season, just as you mentioned with with some of the other ones. So if you have a strong opinion on a team. Play them hard in the, in the first couple of weeks Before their lines start to change Because you might be right or wrong But if you're going to follow your opinion You're going to get a better 
spread You're going to get a better line right here This would probably be seven and a half Come a few weeks if Cleveland does what you and I think They're going to do and if Tennessee does what We think they're going to do just kind of be an okay team They're not good on the road um, They can beat a team at home sometimes Because they can play good defense and maybe Run the ball but if they get behind here Early on I just don't know how they're going to compete With Cleveland Cleveland defensively I think they are going to beat up on on Tennessee, um, and and that's that's where I'm, I'm concerned if if Mariota is going to be able to do anything at all against that Cleveland defensive front. So I'm with you here again too. I would lean Cleveland this way. I like Cleveland quite a bit. I think that's going to be a good division with Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. All three of those teams should be really good, and it should be a fun year. I think with them battling. But I like Cleveland. I like Baker. I like Chubb. I like their receivers. I like. I'm ready to see Baker just. Just go off and, uh, and and have a really good year. So we'll be you and I will be rooting for the uh, the Browns. I'm sure most of the year here, and we'll be rooting from week one at minus the five five and a half. Uh, now we're going to get to the later games on Sunday. The first of them is the game that you mentioned as your survivor pick. Cincinnati on paper looks like they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Seattle they just made a, a nice trade that's going to bolster their defense even more. Really, the I like Seattle a lot, like a lot this year. It's, I think the Rams are going to take a slight step back. I think they're going to be really good. The only one little hiccup and concern I have for Seattle is, do they have enough pass catchers out there with Lockett? Can their rookie Metcalf step up and become like another go-to for them? If they if he can, and if they can find someone else um, to catch some passes for them, I love their running game. I love Lockett. Their defense should be good. Uh, Seattle is what nine and a half, ten. It's, I think you will still see it at eight nine, and a half some yeah. places. Yeah, nine, like around nine here. What do you think on this game? For me, I think when I was looking into it, the nine and a half is is high. So I think Seattle first half at six and a half is a good play. I don't see the Bengals doing anything this game. I think a lot of the time we're looking through these games and trying to find that one potential upset. And I think that this isn't a game that we should really be looking into for that. I think they're going to take care of business at home. There are very high expectations for the Seahawks, for Russell Wilson. And you have legitimate concerns, which are true with Seattle, just offensively. It's a matter of how many points they're really going to put up, how dominant Wilson is really going to be. But I think they have such an easy matchup week one that the nine and a half I don't love. So for me, my personal play will be the first half spread. But cool. I think they should take take care of business. Let's move on to the Chargers versus the Colts. Now, a month ago, people probably thought, oh, wow. I'm going to wear my Andrew Luck jersey. I'll wear my Melvin Gordon jersey. This will be a fun game back and forth. And now we're not going to have either one of them playing in this game. The Chargers, the Chargers with or without Melvin Gordon, they have a very good football team. And they're very well built. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite here against an Indianapolis team who, hey, you know what? Even though they don't have Andrew Luck, they have a pretty good football team too. They have a good offensive line. They have a good defense. They have some young pieces. I just don't know with everything that happened Early in the season how much will that affect them now With Brissett taking over Chargers minus six and a half is that what you're seeing Also yeah I see the same Number but for me I'm liking the under in the game I think there's Just way too many changes offensively That these teams haven't been able to adjust to I think it's going to be a slow tempo Game I think both teams will try To establish the run I don't think They'll have that much success with that But I just feel like this is one of these games that are Just going to be completely boring A lot of incomplete passes a lot of Just time wasted 
That's what I just feel like when I think of this game. So for me, with the under at 44 and a half, I think that's generous. And if I were to take a spread, I'd probably have to take the Colts with the points because sure. I think they could keep it close. But I definitely like the the total way better. I would be completely in agreement with you on both of those sides. I think the Chargers win the game. I think the Colts would keep it close. I don't think it's going to be a great game for almost all the reasons that you mentioned. You have Brissett, who actually I think is a pretty good backup quarterback, but it's still going to take a while. We saw starting quarterbacks not looking good last night. And and, and then we have with the Chargers, you have how are they going to have their offense now without Gordon, who is such a big part of their offense? Is it going to be Eckler, Jackson? Are they going to you know incorporate Hunter Henry into the mix a little bit? Does Keenan Allen get more? So I think it's going to just take a little while to figure that out. They'll both... The Chargers will be good, but as you mentioned, it's just not going to be immediate, I think, for either of these teams with all the new factors heading in. So I'm with you on both sides of that game. Um, if you're looking to play, I would I would go under, and I would go to the uh, the indie side with the uh, the six, six and a half points. We have, I think, four or five more games left. This one, I, this one was one of the harder ones for me because I have no idea what but to think of San Francisco this year uh, Tampa is a This game is really close It was a pick em some places I think it's up to Tampa like one You can probably get it pick anywhere from Tampa minus one To a pick em San Francisco at Tampa Any thoughts here? This one's weird I was going back and forth with obviously Both sides in this I have to stay away from it personally I think it's yeah. too close But I mean we don't know what to expect with Tampa With Bruce Arians And he's been always very high on Jameis Winston Which is I guess promising for them And also he didn't throw any interceptions In the preseason now, Granted it was the preseason But for him I'd say that's a big accomplishment I understand why they are the favorites at home I don't think they're the better team But I understand them being favorites at home And for me I guess if I were to take a side, I would take the Bucks at home minus 120 on the money line. Yeah, I this is a stay stay away for me, and, and I'm just with you. I guess I would lean towards the the home team, but I just have I think Jimmy G still about a year away. Like I think San Francisco might be a team I would I'll play next year. I think they're still about a year away because I want to see Jimmy G how healthy he is, and really he never really had a big sample size of playing. Like he had a few games where he got hot, and we all expected that he was just going to be the next coming. Let's see if that's the case. Um, this is a game that I'm, yeah, I'm steering clear of that San Francisco Tampa game. Dallas now got a big boost with Ezekiel Elliott coming back and signing the richest running back contract, and I think the richest contract for a Cowboy in history. Now, think he the, deserves that? I. I, I think it's a little early, but I understand what Dallas is doing. I think personally, I think when you're talking about running backs, he is absolutely in the top tier in one of them, but I would never pay any top running back that much. I just don't think you need it in this day and age in football. I don't think that's the right way to build your team. I don't think you'll have enough in the trenches defensively. And like in a year when they have to pay Dak, what's going to happen with Amari Cooper too? Yeah. So that, good luck. That, that's the only problem with uh, with an instance like this. And then, you know, it wasn't like Ezekiel Elliott's contract goes up neck. He was still a couple years away. So what's mm-hmm. to say that in a few years he doesn't go back and say, okay, now I want to renegotiate again and I want to do something else with this contract again. So that's the we've seen it all over the place in basketball. It's coming over in football now too, where the it's the real player empowerment era where it seems like the players really do have all the power. And right now, Antonio Brown, I, we just found out before we started recording this show, they said he's going to play. Today, uh, this week, Antonio <laughs> Brown After yesterday, it was like He's going to be suspended, he'll never Play a game for the Raiders, they might Get the $30 million back from him 
And then apparently this morning he went and apologized And now he's going to play And we don't know what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon It looks like he might sit out the entire year So it's getting more and more um, Each and every year Where the players are just kind of uh, Holding the teams by a barrel And and like if you're Dallas And and you're Jerry Jones You don't pay him You're basically telling your fans We're not trying to win right now But you do pay him And then you're Kind of screwing your franchise for the next few years I don't know Where did you stand on this? I don't think they had much of a choice Yeah, I think they just had to That's the way that it's going And obviously I'm, I agree with you With running backs just getting way too much money With just the longevity of their career mm-hmm. I think that's just what you have to look at When you think of running backs And obviously top two, top three In the league And you Deserved it but like you said What are they going to do with Dak next year That's another thing to just to consider So it's it's crazy And they're I feel like So week one for them I think they have an interesting matchup in week one Yeah so week one They are now seven They're up to seven and a half I'm seeing it some places Against the Giants and we know that The Giants they got rid of Odell Beckham Jr. last year and the receiver that was going to be their number one wide receiver, Golden Tate, is suspended for the first four games. <laughs> but <laughs> but they do have the workhorse in Barkley, who is an absolute stud running back. The problem with the Giants is that they're going to be behind a lot of the time this year. So how much are they going to be able to force feed him running the ball? He's probably going to be used in the passing game a lot, a lot of dinks and dunks and, and little down and outs. How do you see this week one game, Giants-Dallas? It's it's a tough game for me. Initially, you think, oh, Cowboys minus seven, easy, easy play there. But I do think that the Giants are going to be a lot better this year. I, I think their offensive line is going to be, I think, I think they've finally started to realize that this is the number one issue on their team. And they started putting in the money and taking the steps necessary to improve. Giants fans are not high on the Giants, obviously. I don't think you really can be, but I say improvement for sure out of them they're so far away from the playoffs and so far away from being competitive but you have Saquon Barkley who can easily win you three games on his sure. own uh I mean it's tough if I'm I'm definitely avoiding the game personally but I feel like if you had to Cowboys minus seven I think you kind of have to just the better team yeah I would the seven too if you if you if you were looking for this line and you were looking to play this line definitely look for and try to find the seven if you can, especially if you can find it where you're not having to give up like a minus 120 or something. The seven and a half is where I'd, I'd get worried because I could see this type of a game where Dallas was handling them easily and then the Giants just score a back there touchdown to cover late. So if you can get the seven, um, I think that's that's probably your best case scenario there. Um, let's see, Detroit, Arizona. These are two of the worst teams projected to be this year. Although on the Football out on the pro football focus uh, uh, Football outsiders Their DVOA they actually have Which is unbelievable it's like a really good Projection they have Detroit winning The division in like a really really <laughs> tight Division which was funny I was reading the article Because it was like the, the guy who Wrote it almost like didn't pr- believe his Projections afterwards he was like yes I'm telling you this is what the numbers spit out They spit out Detroit so I think they're So basically on that he was saying, I don't know if Detroit's going to win the division, but I think Detroit will be a little bit better of a team than people are expecting them to be this year. Maybe they just won't be a doormat, a team that can maybe win six games instead of you know three or four. And then you have Kyler Murray, who is Kyler Murray going to be the next you know 
Mahomes And I think everyone's looking for Mahomes He's kind of a different player He runs a little bit more He's a little more athletic Are you high on Kyler Murray And do you have any thoughts on this game? I loved Kyler Murray in college I made a Heisman bet on him early week two I loved him I just I thought he was the best player in college football last year I didn't think it was close I thought he was in a perfect situation to succeed I think this year I have no idea what to think what he's going to be like I think all the concerns about him are legitimate obviously I think and as far as Detroit I don't agree. I think they're going to be terrible. Yeah, I think they right. have no talent. I think they have their talent, both sides, coaching, everything. Everything is bad. I don't see them winning more than four games. Maybe I'm wrong. When I was looking into their schedule, it's kind of tough. It's it's not easy. There are a couple games which you could say, yeah, they could get those three wins. But then when we're looking for four wins, five wins, I mean, I don't see them coming. But then again, if they are better than we expect, they could easily get six wins I just I think they're going to be terrible this year and I guess because you know debuting at home Kingsbury Kyler Murray I guess maybe taking the points with the Cardinals at home two and a half I would maybe even play them outright money line I don't think the points are really going to come into play in this game I think you just got to pick a winner and whoever you think that is I don't think the spread is that important in this game so I guess I'd go with Arizona just because they are at home and I guess maybe we'll see more exciting Things out of their offense Well you were talking about Detroit And you made a really good point So like going through Detroit's schedule Week one they play At Arizona they're in, in this game They're actually favored So if they don't win this week one game Week two they play The Chargers week three they go at Philadelphia Week four they play the Chiefs Then they have a bye they come back from the bye They go at Green Bay And then they play home against Minnesota if they don't win this week one game, they could be 0-7 It's true To start the season So this is a really big game for Detroit To try to at least get a win And I think that you can you can kind of say similar for Arizona Who I, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was named the offensive coordinator of USC For about a week uh, before he got hired by the How Cardinals How excited were you, by the way? You know, And what's funny is <laughs> I was extremely excited for him to be a college coordinator the problem is he wasn't a great college head coach. Um, now he may not have had the, the talent that some of the other teams around him had, and he may have been at a little bit of a disadvantage. But I don't know how much of a head coach he is. I think he, he he might be a very good coordinator. So that's what concerns me a little bit. Having to do everything in the NFL now, he's not only the offensive coordinator; he is the head coach. He has to deal with all uh, aspects of the ball. And the little things I've seen from from Kyler Murray from last year to this year, I don't know if I like. He seems like a. He reminds me of like the the kid in in school in college or in high school who's just really good and really athletic and can kind of beat up on the the players that he's better than. I don't know if he's cerebral enough to take the next step. I don't know if he is going to be in the film room if he wants to be you know working on it. Now he might be athletic enough for that to really not even matter. But I'm I'm a little cold on him this year and I'm a little just kind of cold on him in general. So like for Arizona, if they don't beat Detroit, they have to go at Baltimore. Then they have Carolina and Seattle at home. Then they have to play Cincinnati, but they go at Cincinnati. Is Cincinnati good? No, but Arizona. The thing about Arizona is some of the teams that they that you might think they could beat, like Cincinnati or the Giants or Tampa, they have to play them all on the road, which makes that all tougher. Like those games that could have been wins now might be losses. So yeah, these might 
this might be a game of two of the absolute worst teams in the league right off the bat, and, and somebody's got to win, right? I guess they could tie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess they can tie. I agree with you, though, with your take on Kyler. The one thing I could say is what we have seen, even in preseason, even before that, is just what he's known for. And that, I mean, he's most known for being a mobile quarterback, having you know, being so fast out there, but he is extremely accurate Hmm. when he is throwing the ball. He does have that pinpoint accuracy, which I mean, with a lot of quarterbacks in this day and age, we don't see that as much. So I think he has, that's one thing that could really put him in a, in a position to succeed. That's the, that's what's a little bit different about guys like him and Baker versus someone like Lamar who like Baker is, can move a little bit too. And he, he is unbelievably accurate and Kyler Murray has a great arm, but then you have, Someone like Josh Allen or like Lamar Who they're athletic, they can move the ball They can run very well But how accurate are you going to get From Josh Allen, how accurate are you going to be From Lamar consistently And so if Kyler Murray Can use the legs And kind of maybe take take some from Lamar Take some from Josh Allen And then take some from Baker with the pinpoint accuracy Maybe he is going to be a, a really good prototype Moving forward uh, We'll see, I think even even some of the best ones Do get beat up that, that first year or two So this might be a, a tough year or two for, for Kyler Three games to close out We have the Sunday night game And then the two Monday night games And you know what Two of these three games are actually pretty good We have Pittsburgh at New England New England is a, a, like a five Five and a half is what I'm seeing favorite Over Pittsburgh And you know the last 10-15 years With Roethlisberger and with Brady around We know that these two teams Pretty much year in and year out are going to be competitive Yeah this is going to be a great game And finally we get one of those Good yeah, late yeah. night games I mm-hmm. just remember the Sunday night Monday nights Just being unwatchable but We always game... would get that Dallas game It would always be the Dallas Giants game on Sunday okay. night I would much prefer this game versus that one Yeah yeah, it's, it's going to be a great game I think for me I like the first half over I think it's 23 and a half And I do think both teams can find a lot of Offensive success early We had the Patriots who led the league in first half points Per game and the Steelers who Were in the top five as well So I think this game could be high scoring Especially early on but I think for the spread I'm going to have to take the Steelers with the points Here I think five and a half Maybe if it hits six I think that's way too many I think it's going to be really close I agree this feels like it should be like four I think New England is a little bit better than Pittsburgh So I'd give them the three at home And then maybe another point Maybe a point and a half So this this feels like you're getting a free point or two um, if, if you're taking Pittsburgh Because I, I feel like this is going to be a close game That's going to come down to either uh, a touchdown Or a field goal score late And I'm going to go with Pittsburgh too also I would lean Pittsburgh there In what should be you know, maybe the game of the week uh, If it's not This next game could also be the game of the week Because you have a New Orleans team who the way that they've been defeated the last two years, Monique. Oh, I mean, when it was last <laughs> year, when it was that awful pass interference call that, that didn't get called, and then they ended up losing in overtime to the Rams. And then a couple years ago, when it was that last play uh, with Stefan Diggs, who you know, scores that long touchdown to eliminate them, the fan <laughs> base. So painful. I know. The fan base in this organization, they are just screaming for a, a big year. This year I think they'll they'll probably have every opportunity to be one of the better teams again I'm seeing six and a half seven they're at home I mean I'm thinking on a Monday night home opener how crazy is this crowd going to be Monique I'm with you I agree I think yes you kind of have to put them because the Texans are 
likely going to be really good. Yes. Like, or competitive, I guess mm-hmm. is a better way of putting it. I, I do think, I think the Saints just come out, blow them out. I really do. I think mm-hmm. they put up 35 or more points. I think, I just think at home, just with everything that's been happening to them, like you said, I think it could easily get out of hand early. I think they're going to find so much success offensively. And granted, I know how good the Texans defense are, but I do think them having to travel to the Superdome week one with an angry Saints team, I think good luck to whoever it is that has to play them. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I, this is going to be, a, 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 as far as the games are concerned, you have two good teams, but I just think New Orleans is going to have a little chip on their shoulder, especially early on. I think they're going to want to come out and prove a point early. And then actually... In week two, I believe New Orleans goes and plays the Rams So that, yeah, so we'll be talking about that one next week So that one should be a a little, maybe a revenge game for New Orleans even Closing things out with the second Monday night game Well, this one's, I guess, a little more difficult to discuss But it seems like Antonio Brown's going to be playing now Uh, Denver is now coached by the old Bears DC Vic Fangio So Denver when we think Denver we're probably Going to expect a team that's going to have a really good defense They found a couple pieces in their Backfield last year uh, that can run the ball Pretty well quarterback wise Now they have Flacco moving over Uh, Overall thoughts on this game And anything about Denver and Oakland throughout the year Well that's tough I'm staying away from this one for sure sure. Yeah this (laughs) game in particular individually I would not play even with Antonio Brown being back, I think, yeah, he's going to come out Monday Night Lights, show off, show up. Sure, I understand that. But this is going to be a close game. I wouldn't be surprised to see it really low scoring as well, talking like 40, 39 points. I don't know. I really don't know what to expect on either team. Obviously, this year, I don't, I'm not very high on the Raiders this year, and I'm not particularly high on the Broncos, but I would not be surprised if they snuck into the playoffs just based on how they have been defensively. And I mean, I don't know. They won quite a few games last year, and I didn't think they really deserved to, but I think, I think their wins are going to be those like really close, hard fought games that they sneak out wins. I don't think they're going to blow anybody out, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did make the playoffs. Yeah, they're a fringe team. I think they a lot of it'll depend. Like this is a big game for both of these teams actually. Like if if Denver can win this game right away on the road at Oakland, that just gives them a good start to the season. That gives them a victory in an on one of those either or games and like for Oakland, jeez, whatever everything that's happened so far. It it's funny. All of this has happened, Monique, and Antonio Brown hasn't played one game. It's not it's not like someone who's been on your year and your team for like five years and you know how that happens like your relationship starts to wear sometimes and whether it be a coach and a player get into it or a player and another player get into it. But as fans, we go, oh, yeah, we had him for a few good years. Are we going to maybe are we going to he hasn't played one game for them? I mean, he comes in and it's immediately we're talking about the, the helmet stuff. Right away um, (laughs) Like before he's ever even played a game And then it was the feet stuff Right away with the cryogenic chamber Where he said he he looked like his his feet were being Circumcised because his skin was coming Completely (laughs) off his feet And then it was then it was the helmet um, And and then it was The issues with With the coach now recently I mean there's been three or four incidents so far And he has not played one game So let's hope that the the, the, he, He can no matter what, we kind of we laugh at it, and it's, if you've watched Hard Knocks, it's it's been kind of like the the running joke there throughout, and a lot of people have, are 
you know, talking trash on Antonio Brown because he's being a diva right now. But I think there's no one person out there, Monique, who denies this guy's talent. He's always been a diva. That's just what right? you get. Yeah. Nothing new. I, I mean, it, what do we really expect? He'd come on the team silently. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know what? At the end of the day, it actually might even be good for them just because they haven't been competitive in so long to have this one player that's, you know, drawing attention to They're the relevant. Ravens. Getting yeah. yeah, and getting them amped up. I, I think it could work for them. And obviously, yeah, like you said, obviously his talent. I don't think he can really justify being a diva, but no. it's his personality trait. It is what it is. We just that's just what we've known to expect out of him. A B will be playing. It looks like on Monday night against Denver. So, um, Monique, we're gonna let you go in just a sec. Overall thoughts. Um, what are your your stronger plays of the week? Um, I think over in the Steelers-Patriots game, especially early on, I think that's going to be a good bet. Um, I think the Seahawks should take care of business at home. I like them, nine and a half. I think they cover the spread a little high, but I think the Bengals aren't going to do much. Uh, Just like with the Browns, I think taking the Titans team total under 19 and a half is a good bet. I I don't see them finding the end zone. Really much at all I think those are my top three Week one is kind of one of those weeks I like to sit back, watch a little bit Try to figure stuff out more than anything I think for the totals Usually in week one you'll see some inflated totals Or totals you think aren't going to hit I think everything's pretty accurate this week Nothing that really stands out But I think the teams that have a lot of hype Surrounding them like the Browns And the Seahawks I think they're going to perform And even the Saints like we said On that Monday night game I think these are teams that are going to come out And really put up some points And establish themselves as the top tier teams Monique where uh, What do you have coming up uh, as far as work wise This weekend you have any stuff at ABR Any videos coming out let us know uh, What to look for yeah, I have my weekly best bets at ABR. And that's horse racing. I mean, at this time of year, it's it's a little it's a little tough to push horse racing with so much football going on. But I mean, there's obviously some great races this weekend, and I'm putting out a video for uh, SGP and covers as well. So these will be like my prop videos for NFL weekend. And we will follow you on Twitter at Parlay Queen Monique. I would love to have you back on as many weeks as you can, and we can uh, go through the the slate and. Talk about anything that's on your mind as far as pros And hey, you know, next week We got we got in a little late this week So I, I wanted to stick to the pros But maybe next week or in future weeks We can either do it a day earlier or a little earlier We can get some college thoughts in the mix too Yeah, sounds great And we have to keep track of the Falcons-Vikings cause Okay, we're that's, that'll be our one <laughs> So yeah, maybe maybe each week we'll pick uh, We'll try to find one game where we're against each other And we can have it be like our, our head-up game of the week And we'll and we'll see how we are at the end So I'm on the, uh, the Falcons- uh, plus the four there And Monique's on the opposite side with Minnesota So that'll be our, our game there Monique, you are awesome We're going to follow you online at Parlay Queen Thank you so much And I look forward to talking to you all throughout the year And I look forward to following you And, and rooting, uh, rooting your wagers home Because I have a lot of fun Even nights when I'm not playing I'll see, uh, I'll see who you're playing And I'll try to root you home Awesome, thank you so much It was a great time And look forward to being back later on in the season Awesome, okay guys We'll be back in just a minute That was Monique the Parlay Queen Don't go anywhere A big thank you to Monique As you can tell she knows her stuff uh, Really really sharp capper Make sure to follow her on Twitter She plays a lot of in-game wagering And she posts videos And some written analysis Really really good follow She's become a, a great friend Monique Really good handicapper Going over my 
plays one more time. Uh, the four plays that I have: Atlanta plus the four at Minnesota, the Jets minus the two and a half. But you have to get that two and a half. If it's up to three, I, I don't need to play that game. But if it's under three, if it's two, two and a half, we're gonna play the Jets minus the two, two and a half at home. Kansas City at Jacksonville. I'm playing Jacksonville plus the three and a half. I think Jacksonville is going to have a big year. The Jags plus the three and a half. The Rams. This game is one and a half, two now. The Rams go on the road. They have to play at Carolina. Lots of people jumping on Carolina. I'm going to go the other way in this game and I'm going to take the Rams. I just think they're much better. I'm a little concerned about Cam Newton's health. So my four plays Atlanta plus the four. The Jets, if you can get minus two and a half. Jacksonville plus the three and a half. And the Rams minus the two. Those are my four plays that I really, really like. A couple others that I wouldn't talk you off. uh, Or maybe to take a look at some things to include in some parlays or so. Uh, I do think Cleveland is going to look really good against Tennessee. I think Baltimore will likely win that game by double digits against Miami. And I think Pittsburgh has an opportunity to keep it close with New England and uh, that New Orleans-Houston game. If it's under seven, if it was like six, six and a half, I might lean towards New Orleans. But you heard all my thoughts with Monique for the most part early on. Just those four plays in the NFL. Stop what you're doing right now. Get over to CindyCarava.com. And take a look at the website Cindy Carava is a full service realtor Who can help you with all of your real estate needs If you need help with purchasing Leasing, selling uh, If you want to improve your home And you're looking for vendors Maybe you need some help with a loan And you need help with pre-approval Anything at all in the field of real estate Cindy can help you out Send her an email CindyC.Realtor at gmail.com She is one of the nicest Most genuine people I've ever met I have known her for a decade now And she loves helping people out She wants to make Finding a home, improving your home Selling your home, she just wants to make it easier On you So check out CindyCarava.com Shoot her an email CindyC.Realtor at gmail.com She is in all parts of the San Gabriel Valley North San Diego County And always looking to help So if you just have a question Perhaps you want to see what your home's value is CindyC.Realtor At gmail.com Okay, who's ready for some Kentucky Downs? We have a pick five An all-stakes pick five On Saturday, September the 7th So get your past performances out for Kentucky Downs If you've never played Kentucky Downs Check out the races They're all grass races Unbelievable betting opportunities Full fields The purses are huge And this late pick 5 sequence Is awesome Really really good racing Stakes races worth a ton of money That ends with a million dollar Grade 3 The Calumet Farm Kentucky Turf Club Let's start in race number 6 With the 1 silver prospector from the inside He broke well on his last start He was up on the lead into the turn He pressed from second He was just outside He was battling in between horses At the top of the lane He finished third in a mile and a 16th race At Saratoga behind a horse named Our Country Who just came back to finish second In the grade 3 with anticipation This is the Kentucky Downs Juvenile Turf Sprint It's $500,000 And it's a a 6.5 furlong On that 
strange, unique turf course there. I wouldn't completely dismiss Silver Prospector. Cutting back from the mile and a 16th to six and a half furlong showed a little bit of route speed. Now should be fit and should offer you uh, some value from the inside. The two Johnny unleashed very quick, uh, crossed over in his last start, opened up two immediately, had three quarters of a length lead at the top of the lane, but was no match for Axiom. Now Johnny Unleash will try the grass for the first time The dam did win on the grass A couple of times, 2 for 10 Just more Looks like a pace factor in here to me And an underneath type 3, City Front Again, another who I think should be in the mix early He cleared off by 3 But he was headed at the top of the lane by the 2 to 5 Favorite and the eventual winner Jersey Town Angel That was over at Belterra Park in his last start we have a Philly, Cambria, Coheed and Cambria, Good Eye Sniper, I Shoot, You Run. Cambria is a nice Philly. Both of her starts at Presque Isle, they were good. When you look at the May 20th race, it was going four and a half furlongs on the synthetic. And. She defeated a horse named Copper Gem Who has won twice since Was third in the small stakes race And the lone poor effort for Copper Gem Was when fifth When she came right back And was behind Cambria on July the 30th She's alive in here She's going to try the grass for the first time But her Dam Is a graded stakes winner Grade one placed on the dirt and one on the grass and was multiple stakes placed on the grass. Cambria's last start, she was off slow. She was sixth of seventh on the inside. She's about six, seven lengths off. She kept to the inside. She started to move. She was able to angle out nicely, four deep in between. She seems like a really handy filly. Now the the six and a half races that we're gonna discuss throughout this sequence are difficult because Horses that are coming out of the five and five and a half furlong turf races generally don't perform well. I like horses that are cutting back or who have maybe run down the hill at Santa Anita. Horses who have gone a mile, maybe have gone seven furlongs on the grass, or who are at least coming out of six six and a half furlong races in some way, shape, or form. Because the five and the five and a halfs, I don't think play out as well on this turf course. And that could be the problem for Cambria Who has only gone four and a half furlongs And five and a half furlongs But I think she has uh, some ability Super Dormy Who Won his only start At Ellis Park on July the 12th There were actually three next out winners From that race The second place finisher Shipping Port won a maiden special weight next out The fourth place finisher won a maiden special weight next out at Belterra And the sixth place finisher Won a maiden special weight next out at Ellis Park Super Dormy broke well, sat second, was just off, was never farther than a length out of it, battled through the stretch with a three to five favorite, and he won the bob. He makes a lot of sense in here. I mean, it was a, a tight, tight finish. He just got the nose down. But another one of those, he ran five and a half. You're going to have to go six and a half on a tough, demanding turf course now, and it won't be easy. How ironic is. The 6 On August the 13th, the 10th place finisher came out of that race To win at Mount Anir, a 4.5 furlong Maiden special 8 
She was dead last, she was about 15 lengths off She was still last at the top of the lane She split horses at the back of the pack Then she maneuvered through traffic again Really good late rally To get the win Fourth place finisher Or excuse me, the third place finisher Tiz Penny from her debut win Came back to finish fourth in a maiden special weight On August the 31st at Kentucky Downs I think she's just in a little tough In here, how ironic The seven... Seeing that this horse might be scratched uh, I wasn't a big fan of Invader anyways Who will be one of a couple for Wesley Ward And who Actually was favorite in his debut Lost to a horse named Montauk Daddy Who was third in $100,000 stakes at Saratoga Invader got up to fifth He was like three off from the outside He was three wide He made a bit at the top of the lane He was all in Never really had any late punch The eight Prince of Thieves Would not talk you off this one in his debut going five and a half at Ellis Park Giroux was aboard And he was off slowly from the rail And then he was stuck inside behind horses And he took back to last He lost his momentum And he kind of maneuvers All the way around He's four wide at the top of the lane With a sustained rally Professional Looks like he has multiple gears You can start, you can stop him I'll be using him in some of my exotics The eight Prince of Thieves Little cold on the nine chimney rock Who I think is going to get bet Because of the win at Saratoga last time out But that was a little bit of a restricted race Um, It was A fine win He Was mid-pack, he dropped back a few lengths Then he angled out widest of all And he rolled by him in the stretch He was well beaten when he showed some speed Going long uh, Behind Silver Prospector on August the 3rd I'm a little cold on the nine. I just, I think there are others in here with more upside, with equal upside that are going to be a better price. But unlucky so far for Mike Maker, uh, as of the recording of this episode, he's 0 for 19 at the beating with seven seconds and four thirds. So horses that are running are just a bit unlucky. The 10 Al Cools. I like both the 10 and the 11 Coming up uh, In his lone start It was a good start He moved to the rail He was behind horses He was tucked inside in second and third He was just a length off always And he always looked to be full of run He was able to angle out in between The ride wasn't the greatest But he There's a lot of talent here I think there's some ability here And I'm not going to leave him out of any of my Exotic tickets and in particular To start the pick 5 Al Cools will be on all of my tickets Now coming into the Peter Miller barn The 11 Sociator She won going 7 furlongs He won going 7 furlongs On the turf at Woodbine On August the 11th He started well from the inside He got to the lead He he did have a little bit of pressure early on But then he was able to clear off Playing a little cat and mounts Opened up a couple lengths Then was headed Early in the stretch, looked like he was done Then he battles back and he kicks clear And he uh, shrugs off the 8-5 to five favorite that day I thought Sociator ran well I like the fact that he's already won going 7 furlongs Now he can cut back a little bit to 6 furlongs Sociator will be on most of my tickets Oxiomo wasn't sure what to do with Debut on the grass And it's a good one, right? He beat a really good field Three next out winners The second place finisher that day was Field Pass Who won a maiden special weight at Saratoga And then was second in the grade three with anticipation 
The 7th place finisher from that June 21st race Was a horse named Peace Achieved Who won a maiden special weight at Ellis Park Next out by 6 Then won a juvenile stakes right here at Kentucky Downs For $500,000 The ninth place finisher was Pickens Pickens won a maiden special weight Next out at Prairie Meadows And then was second against Louisiana Breds In a Louisiana Bred stakes race It's a good field that Axiomo beat in his debut And then he came right back At Indiana Grand in career start number 2 He ran down One of his common rivals today Johnny Unleashed Just ran him right down on the square Last time out, a little bit of early trouble on the dirt But just didn't really get involved At Ellis But now he comes back to the grass What do you do? I think you use him in some spots A lot of it depends on the price If he's around 8-1 to or so I'm going to include him on, I think, one of the pick fives that I have I'll probably play a couple different pick fives I'll have a couple different approaches And I'll probably end up playing two or three different tickets Is is usually how I end up doing it So race number six The order that I have this group I have Sociator, the 11 Top of the four, Cambria On top of the 10 Al Cools and the five, Super Dormy So those are my top Four in here, four, five, ten, eleven. Uh, the eight would be the next horse that I include if you're gonna go a little deeper, and then I will likely play one ticket where I'm either gonna go all to start or I will use a lot of the horses in this race and then I'll, I'll key in on some of the other horses. So I'll probably play one approach where I go something like all or if you can't afford to go all, I always recommend if you're gonna go pretty deep, you might as well just go all. I have 1, 4, 5, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 as horses to include in some of the exotics. So I'll uh, I'll play with combinations of them. And then out of those, the the top four for me 11, 4, 10, and 5. Those are the top four for me in race number six at Kentucky Downs. Let's move on to race number seven. The Run Happy Kentucky Downs Turf Sprint Grade 3, 6 furlongs, 3 year olds, and upwards. We begin with the one Wet Your Whistle Who had won three in a row Before Finishing fourth in the grade three Troy He's actually a grade one winner now He had a slow start He was last of five He angled four deep He was widest of all at the top of the lane He just really couldn't run with the top few And the problem is one of those top few Is right back in this race Leinster Pure Sensation I, it was a it was a good race though. The Troy was a tough race that Wet Your Whistle comes out of with Leinster with Disco Partner, the third place finisher. Pure Sensation is a fourteen time winner who's earned almost two million, and he's five for his last seven with three graded stakes wins. Pure Sensation. I'm a little concerned about Wet Your Whistle from the rail getting shuffled back, and I'm not sure if he will get the type of trip that he needs to win this race. The two cautious giant He's multiple graded stakes place But that was back in 2016 And that was on the dirt He just looks like he's in a bit tough here He was beaten against 40 non-three claimers At Gulfstream last out He has a couple of okay sprints Down the hill at Santa Anita years back But I'm not sure I'm just going to be taking a wait and see approach On him in this spot The three Imprimis Is a horse who I'm I'm Having a hard time figuring out How to use him in here So if he get, if he gets a lot of money I'm probably okay with Playing against him But look at the race that he comes out of 
the, at Ascot. He obviously went over to Royal Ascot, and he was behind Blue Point, who is one of the top ten ranked horses in the world. I think number six. Won five straight graded stakes, group stakes races, including three group ones. Batosh, who was second that day, since has won two group ones. This guy was facing some of the absolute best turf sprinters and some of the best horses in the world, period. Prior to that, you see a good grade two win going five and a half at Keeneland. Now the reason why I won't have him as one of my top three And I'll have him maybe treading lightly on some tickets I believe that this is a little bit past his scope The six furlongs He's just been better at five and five and a half And now he's going to have to deal with the layoff After the travel Did that race take something out of him? I have him picked fourth in here Smart remark You know, I'm I was like trying to to build a case for a smart remark. I really, I really want to, and he's not a a short price. So if you're gonna throw, if you want to throw him in, I would not, I'd not be against it. He comes out of some okay races. The race behind Om and Totally Boss. The race behind World of Trouble. I just still don't know if he's good enough, even with his A game, to beat some of the best in here. So bottom of exotics, absolutely If you want to flop him in, maybe one of your pick 5 tickets I, I wouldn't talk you off doing that Not like Just not confident enough in him Undrafted, I, I think this is a great spot for undrafted When you look at this race I think there are a lot of horses Who will not enjoy the 6 for a long distance Who are better off at 5 and 5.5 five and, and I think undrafted is the one who will come running late on this deep course He's run well over this turf course He's hit the board three times He's always an under bottom of exotics course to use But this might be a field where He actually has the opportunity To get a little bit of run uh, To get a little bit of pace to, to come running at So I'm going to give Undrafted a look And he's going to be on all of my exotic tickets He's going to be one of my top three in here I actually have the five slightly on top Based on the six furlongs over this turf course White Flag Who Was Behind Wet Your Whistle Last out in the race where Extravagant Kid Came out of that as the next out winner The Highlander White Flag was okay, he was three dip, three deep He was six off on the outside He was four deep, then in between to the top of the lane Wet Your Whistle just went right by him Couple next out winners from that Highlander race I have him under where I have uh, Imprimis Wouldn't be against him But I just like others a little bit more His best efforts would put him right there White flag And as far as the distance is concerned I think he is one that will like the six furlongs Where others may not Jazzy times The seven He had a slow start last out um, He was last And then he made a big outside Early wide move Four wide he took the lead, he opened up a couple lengths And he got nailed Late by Totally Boss I see Jazzy Times as more of an under I'm not going to have him uh, in, in the win end I didn't know what to do with Leinster He just has really become A very sharp, good Turf sprinter in his last couple starts He stepped up and he beat a good group in the Troy He sat Third, three off in the two path He was always within striking range He was Three, four wide in the stretch 
broke a course record. Saratoga. I have him in the mix. Again, though, he's another one with look at his best races. Five and a half furlongs. Will he be able to give that little burst that same over this turf course? Stormy Liberal is one who I think is set up very well in this spot. He's only raced a couple times this year. His most recent start, he was coming off of a long layoff, and Eddie Haskell's become really good, and Mr. Vargas just snuck away. Stormy Liberal has one going six and a half furlongs down the hill at Santa Anita, so six should not be an issue for him. He has a style where he should sit close, always within a couple lengths. I have him on all tickets. I think he's the horse to beat. Stormy Liberal, your two-time Breeders' Cup winner. Totally boss to round out the field. He's on all my tickets too. He is a no shy of having won four consecutive races. He got shuffled back to last, and I, and I think as he started getting shuffling, Giroud uh, just took a hold and and took him back. He angled to the outside. He followed Jazzy Times, and he just angled around Jazzy Times, who got a two length jump on him. And totally boss had a well measured win there in that preview. At Ellis Park I have 5, 9, 10 in all of the exotics I think they, they are best suited for this I really like the the 9 in here The I think the 5 is a horse who will come closing And should have an opportunity to, to pass some horses Who don't want to go 6 furlongs And then Totally Boss is just in such great form right now Another who has to prove it going a little bit farther But uh, I will give Totally Boss a look in the top tier So I have 5, 9, 10 386 is the order of how I, I'm going to play this race. I have the 5910 in like my top, and the 386 are others to include in some of your exotics. Let's go to race eight. It is the grade three, three chimneys, ladies turf, one mile, Phillies and mares, three year olds, and up the one coach whip from the inside. I don't know how bad the stumble was He was able to recover pretty well And sit a nice trip He is a grade 3 winner And he he does come out of some pretty strong races Where he's been behind next out winners He's been behind tough horses like Bull Recall, Mitchell Road who we'll have seen here Icky Macho I feel like he's just a bit overmatched in this spot So um, A long shot I love the two Simply Breathless Let's look at her 3 starts since coming into the US Prior to that she actually was a, a nice filly Running overseas She comes to the US She comes to the Neil, Drill, uh, Neil Drysdale barn First time out Wins the stakes up at Golden Gate The grade 3 Wilshire at Santa Anita 5-1 to one. She wins She beats a filly named Ollie's Candy Who just came back to win the grade 1 Clement Hirsch on the dirt Most recently, Simply Breathless Was at Arlington Park Going a mile and 3 16th in the modesty She had a good start She was a close up second She was behind Juliet Foxtrot But she just could never get to Juliet Foxtrot Who ended up winning that race Wire to wire opened up there I think it might have been a little too far And you're chasing lone speed Now Simply Breathless cuts back And look She has tactical speed She can sit close She proved in the Wilshire She can come from off of it if need be I think she's a versatile filly And I think she is Improving and is ready to race, uh, is ready to put forth a big, big effort in this race. So, simply breathless, I will be singling 
on a couple different pick five tickets as uh, one that I absolutely love in the hands of Giroux. Calio, three stakes winner. You'll you'll see a horse named Hanalei Moon in some of the past performance running lines, and Calio won a race that Hanalei Moon finished last in on August the fourth. Calio. Saved ground on the inside, angled out in between. It was a, a pretty professional win, pretty solid. And she's on the upswing. You see Juliet Foxtrot in the past performance running line, Santa Monica. She's faced some sharp ones also. I really don't have knocks on Calio, just like a couple others more in here. I will probably have her on one or two uh, saver pick five tickets. The four Viva Vegas. Was a stakes winner last time out She is multiple graded stakes placed She sat mid-pack, she was too deep She was five off, she got to the inside She saved ground behind horses, she angled around uh, Was three deep making her move at the top of the lane Beat a horse named Hanalei Moon Who just came back to win a $250,000 stakes At Kentucky Downs on August the 31st Viva Vegas I have in the bottom tier Of horses to include Storm the Hill has gotten good Got good out here in Southern California She was actually fourth in this race last year And since finishing fourth in this race She won the grade three uh, Senator Ken Matty Down the hill at Santa Anita She finished third in the Wilshire Behind Simply Breathless She was actually favored that day And she did not run poorly And it was her first start from November to June And then she came back last time out In the yellow ribbon she was inside, she was pressing early She drew off after a couple of Maybe about two furlongs She got clear a length And she looked like she had snuck away If you backed her It was a wicked Brutal beat, it looked like she was a winner And Bull Recall got a Great, great bob So Storm the Hill has become a very nice mare And I think she makes sense In many spots in here I have her picked second behind Simply Breathless Lynn's Legacy, multiple graded stakes placed She will be facing A tougher group than what she had to deal with Last time out And then what do you do with Mitchell Road? Mitchell Road who Is Likely going to be your favorite in here Listed as the 5-2 Morning line favorite for Bill Mott Grade 3 winner who had Put together 4 victories in a row Before finishing 5th in the grade 1 Diana And she was a part of a very quick early half She had to sit off after battling out a bit Throughout the first you know, quarter mile or so And she was just no match for the top ones When the real running started That was going a mile in an eighth In a weird race where she was chasing She went 45.90 to the half She lost to Sister Charlie The Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf winner And probably the best older Philly or mare Or the, old, the best older mare turf In the Philly mare turf division Couldn't spit that one out right (laughs) On paper how is this race going to set up With her speed The whole key to the race is miss bad behavior Miss bad behavior Is a pace factor And in her last start she broke Well she was right on top And she tried to sit second And she didn't look like she wanted to sit She didn't really agree Mike Smith angled her around and she just Bore out and was out of the race Immediately She comes back here You have to imagine from the outside She's going to go and make things tough On Mitchell Road early on Can Mitchell Road sit off of her Or do they end up battling I'm going to go against Both Because I'm expecting that Either Mitchell Road gets caught up with Miss Bad Behavior 
or they are just going a little bit too quick. Sensitive. Only one we really didn't talk about here. Her win last time out was pretty good. And if you look, she had really been knocking on the door for a while. She does not show up with poor performances. She comes out of some strong races also. She was not far behind Bo Recall down at Fairgrounds in March earlier this year. Last out. She was close up, tucked inside, two, three lengths off. She was third, fourth. She moved right behind the leader, waited for room, kept to the inside. She got a great seam in between, had to battle off Stave on the outside, Battle Wish, Valentine Wish, excuse me, to the inside. It was a really impressive performance from Sensitive. And I think you can use her in some of your exotics. So the way I have. Kentucky Downs race number 8 I have the 2 simply breathless I will be singling in some of the pick 5's exotics I have the 5 storm the hill Right behind Uh, I have the 8 sensitive Then the 7 Mitchell Road The 3 Calio The 4 Viva Vegas As horses to include in some way Shape or form of some exotics It's all about the ticket building right Uh, How you build your tickets which short prices you're going to leave out And we'll be singling Simply breathless and we'll, we'll use the others on a backup ticket or two Ninth race Grade 3, Spendthrift Farm Ladies Sprint, 6.5 furlongs I like the one in here A lot, Raven's Lady And I'd be surprised if she's anything close to that morning line Let's look at her four races Since coming into the US She comes in on April the 6th First of all, she's a Multiple group stakes winner Before she comes to the US Then she comes to the US In a grade 2 and she hooks Vasilica, who has won 15 out of 18. And the only races Vasilica didn't win, she finished second, third, and fourth out of those 18. On that April 6th day, there were three next out winners. So, first time in the US hooks a really tough group, a really sharp group, and making her first start from October to uh, October to April. May the 4th In the Distaff Turf Mile Another tough group You hook Bo Recall Who just came back to win Who just recently won the grade 2 yellow ribbon And is a multiple graded stakes winner this year You hook Got Stormy Who beat the boys in the grade 1 4 star Dave And is looking like the next Teppin Then on June the 6th You face Significant Form Who comes out of that race to win the grade 3 Grade 2 Boston Spa Those are really tough races Goes the bench for a little while Comes back on August the 16th For a new barn Three wide of four In between horses into the turn Ended up in the 8, 9, 10th group In the two path Was about eight lengths off She angles to the clear in the three path And then makes a big wide All the way up four deep move To take the lead Right before the top of the lane And just continues on I expect a big big effort from Raven's Lady And I'll make a win wager on Raven's Lady If we can get half of what she is If she's like six, if she's like 7 to 1 We'll make a win wager on her Pastime The Deuce Just won for the last 16 Did win last out at Saratoga And the one she defeated Violent Times came back to Win next out against optional 62 Non-2s Just feels like Pastime's in a bit tough the one to beat in here is the three Alexandra. We talk about the six and a half furlongs on the turf. 
She likes it. She used to run well at Santa Anita down the hill. She's done very little wrong since coming into this country for Neil Drysdale. Lightly raced. Didn't want to go a mile. And if you excuse that mile effort, tough to really be too hard on this five year old mare. She won going five and a half last time out, but she's not a five and a half horse. She trailed. She saved ground. She moved into. Contention without really being asked She got a nice opening in between horses And she just went right through It was an easy victory for Oleksandra Who looks to be the one to beat In here A little bit me Just feels like an under I think she's okay going the six and a half furlongs And she shouldn't be Shouldn't have an issue with the trip Just from a class perspective You see she's Recently been behind a couple of the common rivals She was able to get the better of uh, a Morticia But I think that Morticia is going to be up against it From uh, a distance standpoint here also Coexistence is the five Who was kind of shuffled from the inside And was in a tight spot But somehow was able to work her way up to third was just a couple lengths off And even being in tight all the way She moved again in between into a tight spot I thought she ran really well With all that being said I just don't know If she's good enough to compete Painting corners Is the six If there's one Horse in here who can take this field gate to wire It might be painting corners Who sat off the pace last time out She was not asked from the inside So she ends up taking back to fourth She was like three, four lengths off And then she could never get to the lone speed She angled out, she tried hard I think she might be sent hard today When she flashes speed She's the fastest of any other Of the the mares in here Any of the other fillies or mares Nobody's as fast as Painting Corners If Painting Quarters wants to go And I think that has to be the plan in here She's won at six and a half furlongs So she can get the trip Painting Corners I have picked Third One, three, six are the three for me Morticia just looks like She's not quite as good She's won at seven furlongs But in, but she's been racing at five Or five and a half furlongs for her last 16 starts Then you have Cool Beans Who is consistent But this is going to be his first, her first time Going less than a mile And she's going to be doing it Against the toughest group she's ever faced Tiny Tina She used to have sprint speed way back when Now she comes from way out of it She's won four of her last five But we haven't seen her in a couple months We haven't seen her since May And she's stepping up into the stakes company The distance of six and a half Should actually work well for her just having to, to Make one kind of late run in here Ruby Notion Grade 3 winner Won this race Last year but since that She's been behind a little bit me Morticia multiple times And Alexandra multiple times We'll have to turn the tables on all of those rivals Stillwater Code 3 year old going to be facing Older now she had a good start She tried to tuck in last out But she was hooked a little bit wide She was just off the leaders She was in the two path She made a slight bid three wide at the top of the lane Was up to within a head of the lead But she was all in and faded Now the cutback I don't mind the distance I just think it's going to be really tough for her From way out here Facing a, an older group That's a lot more proven And then 
May Lily, the 12. Things will just really need to break right for her. She's going to come from off the pace. But coming out of that same race with coexistence at Ellis Park in the, the preview, she needs a trip while facing the toughest group she's ever faced. One, three, six in race number nine at Kentucky Downs. Ravens Lady over Alexandra over Painting Corners. And I'll use those three in some exotics. I'll maybe play a little win wager on the one Ravens Lady if we can get around seven or eight to one at least. Close things out. The race number 10 at Kentucky Downs, the Kentucky, the Columet Farm, Kentucky Turf Cup, million dollars, mile and a half on the turf course. From the inside, Botswana was a runner up last time out. And there were actually five uh, the horses that are going to be running in this race today. Four. We'll see if one gets off in off the also eligibles list. That ran in that Kentucky preview turf cup on August the 4th. The fifth place finisher actually won next out at Colonial. Botswana was three deep, was in that three fourth, fifth group, three lengths off, got up to second, was just off, uh, moved to the lead at the top of the lane. But factor this battled. Back from the inside It's one is uh, lightly raced On the upswing, some positives My boy Jack The deuce, remember Jack from the Kentucky Derby A couple years back He's only 6-1 to one In the Kentucky Derby In 2018 He is a multiple graded stakes winner On the dirt On the grass last time out He saved ground, he was towards the back of the pack He was ninth, 10th 6-7 off, he traveled really well He moved in between and then 5 wide He was flying down the center of the racetrack And he just missed He was right behind Botswana And factor this when he finished 3rd Beating just a neck I haven't picked 4th in here I wouldn't talk you off him I wouldn't want him at a price that's like less than 8 or 10 to 1 But he has a shot To come running late And at least be a part of the the try and the exotics Blended Citizen is a multiple graded stakes winner He adds the blinkers He was 4th on the inside He was chasing lone speed He stayed inside He ended up losing the photo for 3rd last out Prior to that race he was behind a horse named Higher Power A couple of times Who came back to win the Pacific Classic I think Blended Citizen is capable Of jumping up with a a big effort I'll use him On one On a, a backup ticket or two Gliding Alone this is just a really tough spot for a horse whose only two turf victories have been at Belterra. So we'll have to see how uh, that one at 50 to 1 in the morning line stacks up. Bigger picture is the five. He's earned over 1.6 million, a 32 claimer turned grade one winner, now a six time graded stakes winner. He was a close up third early. It was kind of geared down to 4th, 5th He was 3-4 to four lengths off last time out He was in the 3rd flight He moved in between horses But there was not a ton of room He had to wait and then angle around He couldn't ever really get his momentum going He got beat to a, the punch by Zulu Alpha Ends up finishing 4th in the Grade 1 United Nations That was back on June the 22nd He was behind Zulu Alpha Channel Cat who just won the Grade 2 Bowling Green next out And then was 3rd in the Grade 1 Sword Dancer So he's come back and run really well out of there and bigger picture is a an absolute contender in here. He fits. He's an eight year old now, but he was a runner up in this race last year behind Arklow. 
And he should have every opportunity again. I have him pick fifth, but I have a lot. This is a wide open group. I'm gonna have a couple approaches to the tickets, and so it's like after the top two, then I think they're all they're all together. Factor this is the six who will likely be flashing his speed. And now the question is, how far can he go? How far will he take him? He was asked for a run. He was close up. He was second. He was about half length off of Hello Don Julio, who is his rival today. But then he ends up working his way up to the front. He leads by about three quarters of a length. He gets headed at the top of the lane, but he battles back and he holds off all challenges, which included four of the other rivals, maybe that he'll face today. Factor this. And he'll try. He'll try his best to fight you off. Just don't know how far he can go. Pillar Mountain is the seven. He took back. He was last early on. Legitimately double digit lengths behind. He moved up on the inside. Um, but he just really couldn't keep up with the top few. And that was uh, against grade one company with Annals of Time last out. Hello, Don Julio. I think just as a pace factor in here, I have a tough time. Seeing him sneak away from factor this Or vice versa If one of the two is scratched Then I would upgrade their the other's chances uh, quite a bit Zulu Alpha On June the 22nd He sat in the two path He was 4th, 5th In the 3rd flight He was just outside of bigger picture Zulu was in the clear It was just 3 off He moved 3 wide And in between at the top of the lane He held 2nd That was in the grade 1 United Nations Zulu Alpha is a multiple graded stakes winner Last time out, he was a close. He was close up. He was in the two path. He was third. He was dropped back a little bit. He was about four lengths off. He sat while others made their early moves, and then that that put him in a bad spot. He ended up in between horses in traffic. He was kind of battling. He never really had a shot to run. He should be right in the mix. I just like others a little bit more in here. Nine to two seems a little short. I I just want a little higher on him. And then Arklow. I think I'm, I'll play one ticket where I single Arklow Because he's the most likely winner in this race He's, of, of this entire field When we talk about the legitimate top tier Of grass horses Legitimate grade 1 types I think Arklow might actually be In the closest to that group of any in here Now does that mean he's going to win? No But he's run well over this turf course He ran well over it and he won last year but since then he's 0 for his last 6 But when you look at those races One of them he lost the rider So just put a line right through Another one of them was the Breeders' Cup Where he was actually 4th And did not run poorly in the Breeders' Cup turf Behind Enable and Magical He's twice beaten the neck And then last time out Was a good start But he was taken back Kind of shuffled a little bit back And he ends up getting taken back from the inside He's Six seventh on the inside, about five six lengths off of it, saving all the ground, and he just couldn't really get through. He kept trying to get through on the inside. He had to start and stop his momentum a few times. Then he tried to get off the rail, and he just missed second in between horses. With the smooth trip, he's going to be really really tough to hold off. And I'll probably play one or two tickets where I single him on the back end of a pick five because he's a very likely winner. But from a who would I bet to win in this race standpoint? If we can get 5 to 1 on campaign, I would bet I would bet campaign to win. And the 10 and 11 would be my top 2 horses in here. Campaign won 
his first two starts on the grass at Kentucky Downs, they were really impressive wins. Then he went over to Keeneland, tried tougher, just never got in the mix. Changed barns, now comes now came into the Sadler barn. He won in the slop back in February. Then he tackled grade one company in the big cap. He was behind gift box and McKinsey. And you know, that was, he was just a little too tough. He was in a little too tough there. He was in a little too tough in the Pacific Classic. When he still finished fifth, just kind of got outrun in that spot on the dirt. The June 8th race in the Brooklyn, he stayed inside. He was outrun a bit, but he started to roll and he was looking all over for room, nowhere to go. Very easily could have won that Brooklyn race where he's only beaten three quarters of a length. So when you start going race by race, he has legitimate excuses when he doesn't run well. Otherwise, he shows up. He can run all day. He can run on the grass. He's proven over this turf course. Noble thought this looks in a bit tough. He wasn't beaten a whole heck of a lot in the Grade One Sword Dancer last time out, but I will just need to see a lot of improvement for him to get the better of this group. So, race number ten, Arklow's the most likely winner. The eleven is the horse who I would bet if you can get five to one. So, those are my top two. Arc low and campaign And then if you want to go deeper So like on the on a pick 5 that I might The tickets where I single simply breathless And I can go a little deeper um, I have 11, 10 7 Pillar Mountain 2, 5 6, 3 So those are all horses who I think you could use In the bottom of the exotics Or if you want to go a little deeper On one of the legs of the pick 5 The 2, my boy Jack, the three blended citizen, the five bigger picture, the six factor, this seven pillar mountain, kind of my under groups under the 11 and the 10. So, a couple approaches that I would have on this pick five ticket. And again, everybody's budget is different. I'm not, some people play with 10 bucks, some people play with 10,000. I'll give a few approaches. You know the way that I have everyone ranked in each race. So, if you just want to go really short, you can use the horses that I like for on the top few. But we'll play the one ticket where you go deep in that first race. So I, I would go all, or you could go one, four, five, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, but why not just go all? Th- with three, five, six, eight, nine, 10, with the two, we're going to single the two simply breathless in race number eight, with the one, three, six, with the 10 and the 11. There's one approach. Maybe you like the this next approach better where you single arc low to close things out. So it starts in race number six with four, five, ten, eleven. Race seven, five, nine, ten. Race eight, two, three, four, five, seven, eight. So this is where we'll play that's kind of a, a saver ticket and we won't be singling simply breathless. Race number nine, one, three. And then race number ten, we single the ten arc low. And then uh, another approach, maybe this this is approach that you like a little bit better. 4 5 8 10 11 to start with 5 9 10 then you single simply breathless 1 and 3 in the ninth and then you have a lot to close out. 2 3 5 6 7 10 11. Couple different approaches for you there in that Kentucky Downs pick 5. Best of luck folks. Hope you all have a great weekend. And uh, oh, I'm looking forward to it. We got a great Kentucky Downs racing, some college football, and NFL kickoff. 
that first Sunday where all the games are on early and you get like seven games and the next wave of games you get another five. I love it. I'll crack a couple mimosas and I'll have my notes out ready uh, watching all the games. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure, don't forget, subscribe. Head on over to iTunes. Leave a nice rating. Don't forget to get to thrivefantasy.com and sign up for an account and remember use that promo code GINO if you use the promo code GINO you will get a $10 bonus when you deposit anything over 10 bucks so deposit 20 bucks you'll get an extra 10 use the promo code GINO and then get to cindycarava.com for all of your real estate needs if you have any questions or you need any help in looking to purchase a home to lease a home, to sell your home, to upgrade, to find your home's value, cindycarava.com. Joey, my friend, take it away.